Hey guys, Joe Miles here with Osseo Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail Podcast. We're going to be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're going to step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to the Mission Whitetail podcast. We are in the season now. Things are off and running. Big deer hitting the ground. We're into October. Won't be long until the rut is rolling. It's starting to kick a little bit here in South Carolina. Uh, Illinois opened. Texas opened. Iowa, Indiana. Everybody's off and running, man. Heck, yeah. We got... um. You and I got a couple good ones on the ground. You got a giant in uh, where the hell did you Alberta. go? Alberta. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say alfalfa land. <laughs> they ate a bunch of alfalfa yeah. up there for sure. Um, but yeah, and we got a lot of couple, I guess, field staff guys that are shooting some good ones too. It's it's getting to be that magical time of year. Yeah, Ben Rising chilling out up a little in, up in Ohio killed a good one. Dylan. His right-hand man up there killed a good one. They're starting to hit the ground. Heck, yeah. So, uh, guys, the Mission Whitetail podcast is to try and bring value to whitetail bow hunters um, we, and, and try and bring guests on so that we all can learn, me, you, everybody that listens, to try for us all to get better, better as bow hunters. Uh, you know, I'm going to step on a soapbox here just for a minute because I think it's important. I normally don't interact with the haters and the, the negativity and the drama in the hunting industry because there's a bunch of it. And I, I just move on, right? It's, it's going to be, you know, it's an alpha male-centered uh, uh, sport, if you will, or, or experience or pastime. And, you know, there's a lots of testosterone, but I am going to, I am going to visit real quick on something that happened in the last week. Um, Kevin, you're kind of up to speed there. Um, mm-hmm. There was another podcast. Um, I'm not going to mention the name of it and another hunter who is fairly well known, especially in the saddle hunting world, uh, that just went on a tirade about some, some pretty good friends of mine. Uh, you know, went on uh, just on this podcast, just went off on Don Higgins, Andre DeQuisto, and Mark Jury, and just talked about how they uh, weren't real hunters, that they, well, I don't know that they weren't real hunters, but they weren't good hunters. They didn't hunt public land. If there, there was no way Don Higgins could come to, the state this guy lives in because it's heavily pressured and kill a 125 and and these are just tv hunters and they've got these ultra managed farms and you know it's not real hunting it's just you set up in a in a hedgerow or you set up in a funnel and you're going to kill a 190 uh, which is absolutely not the case but but anyway my my point here i'm not going to drag this out that's just preposterous I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. And first of all, for that podcast to allow it to, to be on there is, is just, there's a thing called professional courtesy, and you just don't do that. Um, and, and let me keep going. I know you, you want to get to say, especially after the guy went on there to be on your podcast yeah. as a courtesy, and then you let somebody else bash him, that's pretty wild. Yeah, so again... So here's the deal. I've been around about every hunter, bow hunter, from every level, from from little kids just getting started to guys that are at an elite, elite level. And there is no quantifiable way to say this guy is the best whitetail hunter on the planet. Everybody's playing field is completely different. Um, shifting back to this one incident – I know these guys. I know Don Higgins. I know Andre DeQuisto. Their passion is giant white-tailed deer, the biggest white-tailed deer in North America. And guess what? Those are not found consistently on public ground. Okay, There, there are a few that get killed, 
but consistently they're not found on those properties. They want to hunt the biggest whitetail on the planet, and those deer are found in unpressured. They find unpressured properties that have the habitat that they can live and grow old on, and that doesn't happen often on public ground. These guys, Andre, Don, Mark Dury, these guys are some of the hardest working dudes I know. They have the most common sense of, of anybody, and they're unbelievable hunters. If what they wanted to shoot was on public ground, I guarantee you they would get in on these public land spots and be absolute killers in there. Their focus is on the biggest deer in, in North America. It, it's, it's not on competing with other hunters. It's, it's not going into a public land spot and spending your entire season to shoot a 125, a 133-year-old. That's admirable, man. Hunting on public is tough. Yeah. And, and if that's what you like to do, if you like to hunt pressured deer and, you, you know, you, you want to get in there and compete with other hunters and come out of there with a, with a mature buck, that's awesome. And that's hard to do. There's no question it's harder to do that than it is to kill deer on private managed properties. No, no, nobody's going to debate that. But to kill world-class deer consistently, you've got to hunt where they are. And that's what these guys have created. And the funny thing is – you know, Don and Andre, they, they grew up hunting public. You know, they, they did all that growing up. I mean, they've, they've been there, done that, killed great deer on public land, and, and they, their, their goals changed over time. Um, so, you know, I, I look at our environment, and, and we're, we're a little bit of a hybrid. You know, we, we hunt highly pressured ground. You hunt a good bit of public. Mm -hmm. I, I hunt a club that technically could have 40 people hunting down there at any time with rifles starting August 15th going all the way to January 1st. So that's some highly pressured property. Um, you know, and, and the, the stuff in Pennsylvania, the public in Ohio, the public in Michigan, I, I haven't hunted it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that some of the ground we've got here in South Carolina is, is just as pressured, if not more, uh, but but then I really do enjoy going to Alberta, going to managed property in Illinois, in Kansas, because I too want to try and kill some of the biggest deer, you know, in North America. Mm -hmm. So the the point of all this is, you know, we we've, we've said this before, but we're all hunters. There is no best hunter to bash a guy because he kills a couple 200 inches on tv and say that he's soft and weak and can't get it done on public it's just it's infuriating yeah so uh, that that's just a point that i wanted to make and off the drama we're not going to talk about that anymore on this <laughs> podcast i'm off the soapbox uh, let's move on to what we're going to talk about today um one, one i guess announcement you know we, we're not sponsored or anything like this by, by any anybody the the podcast is not we're not trying to monetize this podcast again it's for information and and to bring value and to help all of us become better hunters but something we are going to be doing over at osseo that i that i think is pretty neat uh you know things that you can control in hunting like your archery equipment your ability as an archer everything that you can control you should really try to maximize that. Yep. And, and so we, with your expertise, and I'll let you talk about this. I know I'm, I'm hogging the mic here. We're, we're going to start Osseo Custom Bowworks in January. And it basically, we, we are very fortunate here in South Carolina or in Columbia to have an incredible pro shop. Yep. You know, Jeffrey's Archery is, is one of the best pro shops, I would argue, in the country. Um, and, and so guys go there and they buy their bows, they get them set up. These guys are super busy and, and we're going to kind of, we're not going to be selling new bows or components or sights or quivers or anything like that to compete with Jeffries. Uh, what, what we're going to do or what you're going to do, I should say, is we are going to take some used bows and, and really super tune them and have those available for guys and then also do some custom arrows uh, really, you know, you know, buy 30, 40 dozen uh, arrows and, and then find the absolute best out of, that, out of those 30 dozen 
and and sell those and then we're going to super tune guys bows like like a bow mechanic i mean i i've been in the bow hunting game for 30 plus years and kevin you you've tuned my bow for the last what 10 years yeah and and you know obviously i'm super (laughs) finicky (laughs) with 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 my bow and I, i know the basics but but not i don't know the detail that you do with with the super tuning and the walk back tuning um, you know, I can build arrows. I can check my timing. I can put my sight on. I can sight my bow in. Um, you know, I know if something's wrong. But when it gets into the real fine details, it can make a super big difference. And the super tuning, getting everything dialed perfectly, you know, that that's kind of your expertise and what you are really good at. And so I'm excited about being able to offer this to, you know, guys that are listening to our podcast and our ICO customers talk a little bit about what you see happening there yeah so the there's there are a lot of guys out there who think that you know they're both set up but you know they get it set up and everything is good enough but then there's a lot of guys that I'm finding out that I guess we're both finding out that um they're pretty they're not okay with good enough. They want every little advantage that they control can control. And um, we've had a handful of guys coming to us about tuning their bows, a lot of, a lot of buddies. And, and now they're seeing, um, you know, the arrow builds and things that we do for us. And, and now I'm building, building arrow, custom arrows for guys and tuning them. So um, we just figured we can help out as much as we can. And, um, you know, help fund our passion a little bit. So we're putting that out there and, and I've, it's something that we enjoy doing. So, um, if you guys want to get in touch with us and and send us your bows or, you know, if you're local, we'll meet you somewhere, but we, we can get you, get you knocked out and we got the range and all that at the, at the office. So we'll get it, um, shooting how you want it to be shooting. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna call it ICO Custom Bow Works is gonna be the name of it. We'll probably have a little link on the ICO Gear page that, that sends you right there with pricing and that sort of stuff. And and again, you know, it, it's it's taking what your pro shop does and just just amplifying that. Right. Get everything down. And and some guys aren't fortunate like we are. You know, they with a great local pro shop so so you know we, we've had guys hit us up from all over the country right about getting their bows and, and having you build some arrows and the the difference and this is funny and you'll get a kick out of this kevin has an an innate ability to to really pay attention to the to the little teeny details and not get frustrated when i want to and not get frustrated <laughs> if you ask my old lady <laughs> I don't listen to anything. Uh, I think that's, she uni- said, that's universal. She said the other day, she goes, are you even listening to me? And I said, that's a funny way to start a conversation. <laughs> uh, derailed. <laughs> I keep going, sorry. Uh, so w- what I'm saying is you've got the, the ability to, you know, spend lots of time with little meticulous you know, tuning issues with getting a rest dial, getting the, you know, I, I saw you the other day working on a, on a string angle on the launcher and, and running it in different positions tied to the limb. God, that was a pain in the butt to but, figure but, out, by the way. But, you know, that, that holds the arrow longer or shorter and, and makes it more accurate, keeps from getting fletch contact and things that a lot of guys just don't even think about. Right. Um, and, and then matching the arrows is, is super important. The spine alignment, the knock tuning, things that guys don't have time or the equipment to do, we can do. Yeah, it, it's insane, too, when you talk about arrows, you get – you know the highest end point oh oh one straightness, and you put it on a spinner, and you got like half of them are actually straight. And then you know you can get another, you know, a few more straight, but you got to spin them and and um, mark the end that you want to cut off and all that good stuff. I'm not gonna tell. I mean, there's plenty of videos out there on how to do it, but I don't want to go through all of it. It'd be we'd be here all day on how to tune arrows, but it's pretty amazing how those little tricks can get just about any broadhead or anything flying straight, even though you're originally having a bunch of trouble with it. Yep. 
and, and it's it, it's been trial and error for you for you know what 12 15 years yeah and then we really the last couple of years we dove into the, we went down all the rabbit holes and did a ton of broadhead arrow testing bow testing and and have learned a lot yeah and uh, it's a lot of fun we like to do it yep all right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast today. Uh, you know, kind of off off topic for normal uh, what we do here, but today is an equipment dump, uh, a gear gear dump for everything that that we use. I mean, guys are getting into the season. Some guys are just now putting their stuff together. It's a little late, but you know, <laughs> just 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 thought we'd go through kind of everything from from the ground up that, that we use and again this is non-biased not sponsored by any of this stuff but it's stuff that we've used over the years and and, and tends to really work yeah so start I, I thought since we start at the bottom we start with boots um you know all these all the details matter when you're chasing these big deer so the the i'll go like normal i'll go first yeah go ahead <laughs> <laughs> so i've got really four boots that i'll use early season when it if it's dry i really like the solomon speed cross they're almost like tennis shoes mm-hmm. they're real real quiet and they're real comfortable and they're real cool right so, so i'll run those um every time i can just because they're so comfortable and they're cool when it's hot here um if it's wet and i've got to go through water i've got just a regular pair of muck boots mm-hmm. uninsulated muck boots I've got a pair of insulated ones as well if it's super, super cold. Um, my normal boot, like in the Midwest, when it's normal temperatures, I've got a Solomon hiking boot that, that's got about, I think it's two or 300 grams of insulate in it. It's not a super cold weather boot, but it's, it is, it's got Gore-Tex in it. It is water, waterproof or as waterproof as it can be. Um, and it's, it's a good, comfortable, uh, easy to climb you know that that's something that I've found. You you wear these clunky rubber boots, yeah, and, and and you know try and climb on some of these sticks and stuff when it when they're wet or there's frost. You got to be dang careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like a a more form fitting boot that I can feel my feet in when I can, and then when it gets into super cold, I actually have a video on this on, on our Joe Miles YouTube channel on keeping your feet cold. But I'll wear those Kinetrek Mountain Pack boots, yeah. They've got 600 grams of thinsulate in the in the shank, and they are um, super super warm boots. What's your what's your boot setup? Yeah, so my favorite, probably my all around boot that I always wear is the um, the Danner Pronghorns. I think you got me hooked on those a, a long time ago, but um, those are the most comfortable um, kind of hiking style boot, and I think they have a little bit of thinsulate to them, but it doesn't really matter i just throw on thicker socks when it cools off but um those are my favorite they're the most comfortable they're easy to break in and um they keep my feet warm and i do a lot of walking so i'm not a big fan of the um the knee-high rubber boots but i do have a pair that i will wear if i got a you know if it's real wet or i got a couple spots where i sneak through a creek a good ways to get to my stand um so I'll wear those on, on those days. But I got those two boots, and then I have this, the Salmon Speed Crosses. I mainly wear those just for um, scouting and things like that. Um, and then I have a pair of um, Canatrex, but we mainly I just mainly use those for really heavy, like, mountains or hills. Those aren't the most comfortable because the shank is so stiff on them. So I rarely wear them, but they're just they're a nice tool to have. But all around boot for around here and like you know Midwest, I like those uh, Danner Pronghorns. Yep, make a great boot. Now we're gonna get guys that say, "Don't you want to wear rubber boots for the scent?" Um, and and lots of guys have different experience, and and lots of guys swear by rubber boots and spray in their rubber boots. Uh, I have not in in all my years of trying stuff. Um, I, I have the deer smell where I've walked. If they yep. hit my trail, whether I've got on rubber boots or whether I've got on leather boots. Yep, same thing. Same thing with me. So that that's kind of you know, you know my experience. I know guys have different and swear by wearing rubber boots in and letting them stay dry. Some guys spray them down and and they swear by that. I have not personally 
seen that. Um, socks, I love a merino yep. merino wool sock. Uh, you know, they they uh, they do really good with moisture. They retain heat. They do good, you know, f- for walking. Um, obviously, a, a lightweight pair at the beginning of the year all the way up to late season. I'll wear the Kenetrek Mountain Hunter Extreme uh, merino wool outer sock, and then they've got an awesome polypropylene liner that I'll – and, again, that's all on that on that YouTube video. Uh, but that's a heck of a setup to keep yeah. your feet warm. Yeah, I'm in the same same boat. I don't know which brand mine are, though. I, you might know. They they got, like, a little, like, stick figure um, caveman-looking guy on them, but they come with a liner and then the regular. Um, Is it Smart Wool? It might be. I can't remember. I, I need to look it up because I need more of them, but – um, I love their liners. Their liners. Polypropylene is is the key. You know, I I'm probably talking wrong here, but I think it was ninety percent polypropylene in those Kinetrek liners. And I learned that sheep hunting is is that man that when I would wear that liner underneath the wool, it would pull my feet when I would get back to camp from hiking all day would be totally dry. Yep. And that polypropylene was pulling the moisture away from my foot and the merino wool was was keeping it in there but but it was away from the foot so my feet never got cold and then you know obviously whitetail hunting you know you may have 200 yards to walk or half a mile or a mile to walk but you're not going to get super super sweaty right um but and, and then you've got to sit there but i know when i used to wear like two pair of cotton socks you know, you'd walk half a mile, feet would sweat a little bit, you get up and then you freeze to death. Right. Whereas with that system, you know, it keeps your feet pretty warm. Yeah, and then in later season in the Midwest, I found, because my feet sweat so bad, I found if I bring an extra pair of socks to the tree with me or not even wear my thicker socks until I get to the tree, that helped me a lot because my feet sweat so bad, and that's what makes you cold is your feet sweat no doubt Um, you can get away from that you'll be way more comfortable all right moving on to base layers uh you know this is something again uh, i learned or we learned mountain hunting uh we're we're (laughs) in extreme temperatures extreme hiking um you know twelve thousand feet and and in some some pretty interesting Mm -hmm. we we should do a podcast on some of these hunts one you mentioned that yeah we should do this some stories we got some pretty crazy (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Turkish to Turkish. Yeah. <laughs> Turkey's a, that, yeah, the Turkey country of Turkey was a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're derailing again. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So base layers, there two schools of thought. And, and I, I, I do go by this. If I've got a long way to walk and I need it to dry quickly, I will wear a synthetic base layer, um, synthetic bottom, synthetic top, mm-hmm. because I want it to dry really, really quickly. Uh, if I do not have a long way to walk, I will wear merino top and bottom. And th- those, to me, merino tends to hold in your your heat better and are just a warmer base layer. Yeah. So that's kind of how I look at it. If I've got a tremendous a long way to walk, like a mile to get to where I'm going, or if I'm, you know, if I'm going to do a, a crazy hanging hunt in the mornings, I got a long way to walk, got to pack everything in, I got to do a bunch of climbing, might have to do some sawing, whatever it is, I'm going to be sweating. I want to do uh, synthetic. If it's, you know, super, super cold and I, I, warmth is the number one thing, I'm going to run merino. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of merino stuff. I'm usually wearing like a midweight synthetic. Um, because I'm probably like 80% of my hunts are hanging hunts anyways, and I don't want to be sweating my butt off. So I wear the, I'm basically just wearing, um, base layer to the stand. I got like a thin, like a vest or, you know, and, and just our midweight pants on. And then I'll throw my heavy stuff over top of that once I start cooling off and I'm in the tree, but Mine's usually just like a midweight synthetic, and that's with our with our outer layer gear. I can stay pretty warm um, once I get cooled down and and dried off. And we'll, we'll we'll jump into that now. Is is you know obviously, ICO gear is our camouflage, and and so from a pants and top perspective, 
you know, it is whether you're using our stuff or, or somebody else's, it, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, we use the the early season gear, or I do, from from the start of the season till it gets to about, I guess, fifty five degrees. Mm-hmm. I'll just wear a a, a, a light poly t shirt or something, or or our dry fit t shirt underneath the early season hoodie. And that'll get me down to the in the fifties, right? The upper fifties, and then I will switch and add in the midweight pant and the midseason hoodie that's made out of the grid fleece. You know that'll be my next, and that that will get me down to, you know, call it upper forties with with uh, light wind. If we get you know some heavy wind there, I'll throw the vest on uh, next is our Sherpa. I'll graduate to our Sherpa pants and jacket. And that really is the, you know, for most states out of the South where it's not super, super hot, that, that's kind of the, the, the bulletproof system. Mm-hmm. The Sherpa pants, Sherpa jacket, you, you can wear that with, with, you know, a really light base layer from, from mid-40s. And then if you layer well underneath it with like the mid-weight hoodie and the vest underneath the Sherpa jacket – man, all the way down into the 20s because that stuff's windproof and it's got that fleece lining. And with those new bibs that we just came out with, I mean, you're going to be good from the 40s down into the low 20s with those bibs for sure. Yeah, I'm really excited about the bibs because, like I said, I'm always doing the, the hanging hunts and I really like the Sherpa the Sherpa line that we have because it's, you know, so you can use it in such a broad range of temperatures but the I wasn't crazy about the pants because I didn't want to wear them to do a hanging hunt, and then they're kind of hard to put on over my boots. But we came out with those bibs, and those are perfect. I can just pack them right in and put them on over everything once I cool down. So I'm really excited about um, you know using them this year. Yeah. Um, but I'm the same way. I I think Saturday morning was the first time I broke one of these out um, mid-weight hoodie. yeah I've, I've been wearing the lightweight stuff all season pretty much and i busted out the mid-weight hoodie and i just put it through it on over a t-shirt once i got hung but um but yeah once it gets a little bit cooler out i'll probably graduate to a, a vest over top of one of these and um the mid-weight hoodie and that'll get us you know into like november just about unless we get a real cold snap down here at least yeah and and you know then when you get into when you, when you get below 20 uh that's that's the heavy bibs heavy heavy jacket Re- regardless of you know whose product you're using that that's kind of the system right that that you can put together and you know it makes a difference you know we a lot of guys say well you know plaid and blue jeans and yada 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 yeah but it, it makes a difference if i'm able to sit there another hour Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because I'm I'm comfortable and I'm warm and I've got I don't have 75 layers on I'm a- right. able to dress fairly thin because the, there's a lot of technology with the windproofness and the insulation that goes into whatever product it is you need to research it because the the lighter your garments are and, and the le- least number of layers that you can wear make it so much easier to draw your bow climb in your stand. Uh, that sort of stuff. So it's and, an, clothing is an important, right. important part of it. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about your string path either when you have less stuff on because guys don't realize your string, will it'll touch your sleeve or something, and your tune is gone. You're, you're done. You're probably going to miss or you're going to shoot them, hit them wrong, and that's not good. The mule deer buck. The mule deer buck, yeah. <laughs> you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. He, he got shot right in the wiener. <laughs> Watch your collar. Let's take a break for a second. I'm going to reset this camera. All right, moving on from clothing, let's get into bows, arrows, broadhead sights, launchers, releases. Now, we could do a, a full segment on this, but and I think maybe early on in one of our podcasts we may have gone mm-hmm. over bows. But, a little bit. But let's just talk real quick. Uh, bows, I'm shooting the Matthews V3X. I really like that Hoyt Venom. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been hanging on the wall, and I keep I look at it every single day when I come in there. It's a really good shooting bow, and my issue is I have some kind of a mental block about changing bows in the middle of the season. 
and, and I really like the Matthews. Um, I, I like everything about it. I think the Hoyt has a little bit sm- uh, uh, smoother draw. I like the handle maybe on the Hoyt a little bit better. Uh, but I, I'm just not switching in the middle of the season. Uh, this is something I'm going to have to really tinker with and play with after hunting season's over to right. decide what I'm going to go with next year. Yeah, I'm shooting the um, the Matthews Traverse still. It's a um, little bit of a longer bow compared to you know to some people's standards. But Matthews came out with that VX three, is it or V three X? V three X. Um, it's a basically a, the latest and greatest Traverse. It's a thirty three inch axle axle. Um, I really like the short compact bows, but when I sh- started shooting my Traverse, it seemed like the string angle felt a lot more comfortable i used to have to really dip my head down to touch the string on my on my triax my 28 inch bow um and i just seemed to shoot the traverse really well and i i hunt out of a saddle a lot and um i don't have any problem maneuvering that bow around a little bit um and you know i haven't seen any difference how do you shoot with the tree i was about to say that (laughs) Jeff can't get, literally can't get around. <laughs> How do you he shoot likes that tree pick, in front of He me? likes to pick fun of the saddle hunters. I do not. I hunt out of a saddle, too, every now and again. Um, I did, I was torn about it, but I ended up doing it because it wasn't super expensive to, to get the mods, and they're really easy to switch out if I didn't like them. But I went from my 85 or 80% let off, um, mods in my cams to 75 percent let off mods and it took me a little bit of shooting to get used to them they're a little more there's almost no valley to it and they feel you know obviously it feels like it has um you're holding more weight and you are um back but it seemed like as soon as i put them in i started shooting just it wasn't a lot better but i could tell i was shooting better and um, I really like that. Um, I think if I ever did get another bow, I know the Hoyts, um, you can switch that right there on the cam without even having to switch out the mods. So if I did get a new bow later on, I would be trying it out with the, the lower percentage. And um, I think uh, Cameron with Exodus does a good podcast with a guy out of Texas. He was like a physicist or something. And um they explain the advantages on his podcast of why it's better. That's what the, I guess the target shooters prefer is the less let off. But if you go look up his podcast, they get into it pretty deep and give you the reasons. But I seem to shoot Wait, what, better. That's Exodus with yep, Cameron it's, uh, Deer. Deer, Deer Gear with Cameron Deer. And I think it's one of his later, most recent podcasts. It's like uh, 45 or something like that, episode 45. But um, they do a really good in-depth one and it kind of swayed me over and and it's seeming to i like it i've i shoot it really well now do you think you would have any issues on a frosty november morning when you got a buck that locks up and you've got to hold it back longer no i've been now that i'm it takes a little bit because you're so used to it's like it was almost like getting a new bow or something you go from your bow you're used to shooting all the time and you know exactly how the draw cycle is to a new one and you're like what the heck but after about a week of shooting it I got that muscle memory and it just feels natural to me um I will say though it forces you and that's probably why I shoot better with it it forces you to keep that back tension when you're at full draw um so you may not be able to hold it as long but I don't with the you know experience hunting you kind of figure out when to draw and when not to draw and i don't have any problem drawing that bow i I keep it set at 70 um i could go up more if i wanted to but i i can hold it for a long time i don't know if you could go with that dad bod you got kicking now (laughs) i don't know if you could go up on anymore on the lv how are you sleeping at night Uh, not very good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, arrows. Uh, arrows, obviously an important component. Uh, Cameron Deer, they've come out with some at Exodus. I think yeah. you've got some of them. Really cool arrow. I haven't uh, shot any yet. 
I have uh, been running the Victory Rip TKOs. Absolutely love those eras. Shot a bunch of stuff last year, and I, I want to say I had seven of my 12 still running well, and, and all of them had been through lots of animals. So really impressed with the toughness, the straightness, the accuracy, uh, the diameter of them. Uh, you know, when we did that arrow test, they, they tested out the best. So, so yeah, I, I ripped TKO, victory, archery, arrows is what I'm shooting now. Um, love to get my hands on some of those that, that Cameron at, at Exodus, they have uh, coming out. You know, it's kind of a custom era. And then, you know, back to the ICO Custom Bow Works, we'll be building some arrows. Yep. So, uh, you know, we'll have different brands and that sort of thing. Uh, so those are the arrows. Anything you want to add on arrows? Yeah, I, I already – those probably are the – they have the victories, probably have the highest tolerances of arrows that I've ever messed with. So you got the, the top of the line ones. I've always shot before Cameron um, – before I got hooked up with Cameron and, and bought some arrows from him uh, – I've always shot just the gold tip Hunter XTs or the Velocity XTs. And with our equipment that we have at the office, I can tune those just as good as a pretty high tolerance arrow because I, I got the, a 29 or 28 and a half, 29 inch draw length. So I can cut some of that wobbly end off if I can. And then I'll, you know, if, if they're too far out of the tolerances that I like, I just make those practice arrows. But they're like half the price is some of those higher end arrows and I can get away with, you know, tuning them and they'll shoot really well. But Cameron sent me those, um, the MMTs made by Exodus and those are really high tolerance arrows too. And, and I've been liking those a lot. They shoot really, really well. But, um, back to what you said, we, we got a lot of guys local that I've been building custom arrows and tuning them for. So, um, but yeah, like we said, get a, get in touch with us, and we'll get them things knocked out for you. Broadheads, uh, I think we're in the same camp here. We've just seen it too many times over and over and over again. Uh, Rage Tripan, yeah, uh, just and and that that's just a, a really really good head that we've had a ton of success with in all of our testing, as well as lots and lots and lots of animals. Uh, hey, look, I get. Uh, a good fixed blade head. I understand why you shoot it. I understand it. It makes good sense. Um, you know, it's going to penetrate better. So all those things are, are, are reasons why guys shoot them, and I get it. I understand that. Um, I just think there is a, a little bit more of an advantage across the board to shooting a mechanical, and not just any mechanical, but really that that Rage Tripan they're, they're super accurate, super quiet, two-inch-plus two entry hole, two-inch exit hole. Uh, it, it, we're not going to go down that, that rabbit hole. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. I've And we ran, you know, we went down the rabbit hole of the super tuning and, and shooting fixed blades, and I've, I've shot a bunch of stuff with fixed blades, and they work well, but hunting with you and then doing my own testing on real life animals and our testing at the at the shop um the pros way outweigh the cons of shooting that tripan so um that's what i shoot as well and like you said not just anyone the tripan it's really i think a good step above a lot of other mechanicals and even the older rages they're just so much tougher and they their talents tolerances are better yeah they, you know it's a titanium ferrule it's a one piece ferrule and then you, you've got 0 0.039 thickness blades which are the thickest mechanical blades in the industry and and they just the guys have got it figured out i mean there there are other good mechanicals i mean the 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 g5 mega meat the uh sever yeah i like th those. those are those are there's there's a new one that's come out i think uh clovis um triple creek triple point archery or something like that it's 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 an interesting head i got a couple of those the other day i'm gonna maybe shoot a couple of those with this year to see how they do uh but but high-end mechanicals is is definitely what we go for for whitetail uh sites black gold sites 
you know, there, there's lots of different site brands on the market. Um, you know, Spot Hog makes some good stuff. Um, you know, there's, what is it, CBE makes some good stuff. Yep. HHA makes some good stuff. I'm sure I'm leaving some out. But day in, day out, I've tried to change a million times, and, I all, and I've, I've bought multiple, multiple, multiple sites. I always end up returning them or selling them to somebody else. I always come back to the black gold, just the brightness of the pins, the customization, the tolerances, uh, the adjustability. I, I was an absolute anti-single pin guy. I mean, I just thought that was the most idiotic. I couldn't get through my head why in the hell somebody would shoot that because what could go wrong when you make an adjustment and the 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 deer comes in, he's coming down the trail at 40, you adjust it to 40, and he, he changes direction and he's under you, and you have to let off. And, and I, I just I thought that was the craziest thing ever. And then I shot one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you <laughs> the, the, the old saying: "Don't don't talk junk about anything unless you've actually tried it." It, it, it I, I, I ate crow on that. Yeah, <laughs> but I would. Right, in my defense, Kevo, it is the double pin. Yeah. All right. So the it, it's the um, dual track, the, right? Uh, the black gold dual track. So it has a top single pin, and then it has a pin right under it. So I, it's actually a two-pin site. Right. So, so I, I met in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the reason I, I was actually thinking about going to two parallel pins next year anyway, because 90% of my shots are 30 yards and in. Right. Uh, so, so this is how I'm looking at it. That top pin, I shoot zero to 30. Mm-hmm. So that single pin, zero to 30, that's going to cover 90% of the shots. That second pin, I will have sighted in at 40, and it's super unusual for me to shoot at a whitetail at 40 yards, but but I've done it, and I will do it again in the right circumstances. If you had to make some kind of a 50-yard shot, like on a wounded one that you had hit, and you you gut shot him by mistake, and he ran out to 50, you could have holdover with that two pin, or you can dial. And if you're going to make a shot at 50 yards on a whitetail deer – you know, I'm darn sure going to have time to dial. Right. Everything would have to just be absolutely perfect for that to happen. Yeah, I I, I got the single pin housing for the, the mountain light site that I already had, and I just swapped it out. I wanted to get the dual track one, but I guess they didn't make it for, the housing. for that. How, yeah, the dual track housing, I guess they didn't make it for that um, site configuration. So what I'm actually going to do, I, I shot mine at um, distance with it set zeroed at 20, and I know the holdovers. So what I'm going to do now is I marked where my holdover would be for 30 yards um, on my sight post, and I'm just going to put a little uh, white Sharpie mark there because I'm not going to shoot past 30 yards anyways if it's really low light. So... If I can't see that mark, I'm not, you know, going to be mad. But um, if it's that low light, I'm I'm going to be shooting 20 yards and in anyway. So that's what I'm going to do to kind of give me that little insurance for a like a yeah. dual pin. I mean, it's 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 whitetail bow hunting that it, it's supposed to. You know, you hear this a lot. It's supposed to be hard, and you're supposed to shoot them close. Right. You know, I, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to shoot one at 50, 60, 70 yards. I mean. You know, you, I think you need to be able to do that because if you wound something, to be able to get a follow-up an, uh, arrow in it is important. But that is a circumstance where you would have a chance to dial. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to shoot one past twenty yards. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I could. You know, we shoot out eighty, you know, ninety yards practicing, but I want them zero to eighteen. <laughs> well, well, there's no, there's nothing better than being at full draw. Have him walk through your shooting lane at 12 steps exactly how you wanted him to come through there and to be at full draw and to give him the old man yeah and he stops and you can see his eyeballs and you've beat him i mean yep. that that is that's what it oh man that's the best yeah that'll get you fired up uh all right launchers we're gonna try to, let's bust through this because we yeah we're starting to run long on time here launchers uh you know Everything we've looked at, we love the limb-driven 
rest, air rest. I'm calling them a launcher. The Hamskies mm-hmm. have really good tolerances. Kind of the the night force for you scope guys. They're they're bulletproof. They're tough. They're easy to tune. Easy to micro tune. I'm I'm talking about stuff that you should be talking about. So go no, ahead. You're, you're right. Oh, how about that? <laughs> Some of that uh, Bowtech stuff is rubbed off on me. The only thing that I found with my uh, my setup with the Hamski is I didn't have. It's got that um, the rubber. I guess dampener on it to to help with it slapping down near the riser. Um, I just didn't have mine. You got to have them pretty dang tight and stretch out that rubber piece to um, to keep it from bouncing. And I was getting a little bit of fletching contact because I think the the launcher was coming down and bouncing back up before the fletching's cleared. But once I tighten that down, I haven't had any problems with it. The great great air rest. Yeah, and like you said. I beat the hell out of my bow. Um, try not to, but there's some times when I'm like, well, I got to yank it through some of these limbs to get it up here, and uh, nothing ever moves. And, and that was another thing about the black golds yeah, that I really yeah. like. They're they're pretty dang bulletproof. I, they get knocked around pretty good. They're, they're and, tough. Um, yep. So, uh, but, yeah, the, the Hamskies I really, really like. Yep. They, they're good. Both of those are – and that's that's something you know you can you know if a, a fletching comes off a little bit you can get by with that but if your rest gets screwed up or your sight gets screwed up it's game over right and it will happen in the most inopportune time possible mm-hmm. so Every sights time. and rest have have got to be bulletproof and those two have proven themselves time and time and time again releases uh, we you got me shooting the three finger harder first choice yeah and i was shooting a four finger but i was i had too much torque on there with four finger so you got me moved over to the three finger really like that yeah Th- those are great They're, yep you can I adjust them the, yep i shoot the same one obviously um first choice i i got a uh a buddy let me borrow the one of his wise choices and it's basically the same exact thing but with the full containment um trigger finger um it's the same exact thing i i kind of like that one too because it adds a little more weight to the release it feels like you're holding on to a little bit more holding out on me you told me (laughs) you'll have to try it (laughs) but um i like that one that's probably my main release and then i have the first choice in my pack in case i get the fumble fingers and drop it down at the bottom of the tree ultra important always two rest one on your bow or or, or in on releases your, on your, two releases yeah, two bows too yeah but, but uh <laughs> two releases one, one on your bow or on your wrist and then a backup in in your pack in case exactly what you say you drop one or i've had on when i had a wrist strap release one of the bearings uh go out mm-hmm. and, and the and the trigger quit working and i'm in the stand you know where where it's critical and i had a backup in my so always two releases yeah and i was so when i first started using a thumb release i was so bad with you know i'd go out hunt in the morning and then put that release in my like warmer jacket pocket and i get back halfway to the stand and realize i don't have that jacket with me because it's warmer that afternoon and uh have to walk back to my truck and get it so i rigged up an old um, foam pouch because I was so bad about keeping track of my main release to the riser of my bow and I keep that thing whenever I'm not when I don't, whenever I don't have it hooked to my string it's in that pouch so it's always with my bow you, you know what we ought to do is when you edit this thing up before it airs is to show a picture of that yeah so yeah, guys that. anybody that's on YouTube watching this on on the Mission Whitetail YouTube you'll be able to see it if you're listening uh, you know one of the other platforms you might want to just fly over to the youtube channel and see because it is a a nifty nifty little system he's got to keep his release in yep i love it all right next is stands and this is where you and i are going to differ um a little bit uh maybe it's an age thing a preference thing whatever you want to call it i much prefer a a permanent not not permanent but a preset stand Mm -hmm. i really like the novix uh preset stand The, the, the original lone wolf's you know that that somehow became Novix. We're not going to get into all that, but um, Novix makes them now. Um, for my mobile setup, I, I'm using the Lone Wolf Custom Gear 
0.5. It's a little small. I actually, you and I were talking about that this morning. I'm probably going to go up to the 0.75. Love that stand. Lightweight, really quiet. I really know a guy that might want that 0.5 if you want to part ways with it. Oh, for the right price. Yeah, for the right yeah, price. Yeah, yeah. Double for him. Can we, probably. can we put it back in your PayPal account? <laughs> yeah. So I can wait nine months to get it out. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some taxes taken out. Oh, Jesus. Oh, uh, Derailed. So, third yeah, time. Third time. <laughs> this is anyway, fun. you're getting the yes. 7.5. Yeah, so. That thing looks awesome, by the way. Yeah, the, and I'll, I'll probably put fives. the tall seat because I am a little taller, the tall seat post. And get that mesh, the mesh seat. Yeah, those look money. Yeah, so, th- th- but man, that Lone Wolf custom gear stuff, it is expensive, but it is flipping awesome and yeah. worth every cent. Yeah, you get what you pay for it. Without a doubt. Uh, it, you know, it's going to cost you a kidney or your firstborn <laughs> yeah. firstborn. And son. that's why I haven't bit <laughs> yeah. the bullet yet on getting any of it. But, but it is money well spent for a mobile setup. Yep. They're, they're awesome. Saddle, I'm going to let you run with that. I do have a saddle and I. I've used it in Texas. I've shot three or four bucks out of it. And if I find a weird tree that I can't get my my lone wolf in or I don't have a, per, a, a preset stand in there, um, you know, I will will use the saddle. It's not definitely not my preference. And I just don't think I shoot as accurate out of it. My, my number one preference is to have a preset stand because I can sneak in. I don't get sweaty. You know, I climb up and I'm there. But – you, you can't, to me, you can't be in one camp or the other. You've got to be open-minded enough yeah. to, to use all of them because you never know what you're going to get into. I mean, I, I can see going into public and, and not know, having a clue what tree you're going to get into where the saddle would be something that I would probably take. And that's what I love about it. So fire away on the saddle, old boy, because I know that's your preference and that's where we kind of differ. But yeah, I, I would much rather have a preset you know stand but and i do have some preset like trees already i'll i'll have a couple of the um i got a couple of the generic river's edge 20 foot climbing sticks with a tree already prepped and everything and and sometimes i'll have um the old school uh lone wolf in a tree or something like that and and i love sitting in those um but I also have some trees that I have preset on on the small private areas, uh, with just the sticks going up there and everything's trimmed. And then I just throw my platform in there and and hang my saddle. I'm good to go. But um, my go-to setup right now is the the Lone Wolf or the the old Lone Wolf or the new Novix three-step sticks that you fold out. They're the single steps that you fold out either way. I use three of those. And um, two steel cable aiders at the um, the bottom too, and I can usually get as high as I really need to, especially on the the public land or just the you know run and gun, pick out a tree in the afternoon or whatever, and and hang it. Um, because I I found I get so high sometimes that the canopy I can't see anything, and I end up going down lower, and I carry all these extra sticks in, and they just end up at the bottom of the tree. So I just, I stuck with three of those, and then uh, I have the the tethered Predator, the the first one that ever came out, the tethered Predator platform, um, and I like it a lot. But if you ask Joe or any of my buddies, I uh, hockey tape and paracord are my best friends. I got <laughs> everything hockey taped or paracord, so there's no clanking or anything. And another thing, thing that I really like that guys don't use a lot is um, I bought some high-end steel pruners the little like hand gardening pruners pruners, and those are taped up too (laughs) but uh, I keep those in my little pouch when I'm um, climbing up a tree doing a hanging hunt and you know you get those not my prison pouch my regular pouch sorry you confused me I knew you were going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'll, you know, they're not big enough to saw off, <laughs> derailed. But those little trimmers are real quiet. And then, um, but I think I need to, I need to let, I need to get you to let me borrow the point five for 
a day or something. I think my ultimate setup for at least for my private land spots that I don't have to work walk super far would be a point five with my saddle on. And my favorite I didn't go into the saddle yet, but um I would like a little bit more real estate to move around because sometimes I got my back I'm turning my back to the tree to get a shot and that little more real estate would be like awesome. a normal person yeah, yeah like, like a normal person with your yeah. back to the tree back to the tree yeah. um so i think that point five would give me that extra little bit of real estate and it still wouldn't be hard to pack in and maneuver no so it's there man it's to, super light um but as far as saddles i've tried just about all of them and i went back to my my cruiser xc and that's hands down the most comfortable one, and I've, I've been hunting out of that a good bit, um, and I really like it. And, and guys, again, not sponsored by anybody, um, and, and, you know, Kevin is the saddle man in our, in our outfit and, you know, has tried about every saddle on the market. Um, you know, so, I, I, you know, the, the one, and, and I haven't hunted out of it, so I'm, I'm take that, you know, as you will, but that – I might would consider making that TX5 minimalist as my yeah. safety harness. Right. I, I think that could be because, you know, I could still use it as a saddle when I had to, and I can about get through a hunt being uncomfortable. You know, after those Texas hunts where we got deer on us the entire time right. and we can't wiggle, you know, we we can make it make it happen, but or you could you know you have your your normal saddle and then that one to use with your with a normal tree stand, and since it's the minimalist one, you can turn around and sit down if you want. And that's why I wanted to try the. I think the ultimate would be that hybrid setup, like I was saying, because then I can you know adjust my tether lower to about hip height and just turn around and sit down if I wanted yeah. to on like an all day sit. So. I think in the future, once I get my pennies saved up, I'm, I'll probably be getting a point five here um, sooner or later. Yeah, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, Andre DeQuisto, those guys, man, that that stuff is is money. It's good, and, and it literally is money. It's yeah, I mean, expensive. yeah, it's expensive. All right, let's let's move on because we're closing in on an hour here. Uh, trail cams, we, I think we. Didn't we do a whole? We did a whole review <laughs> or podcast on this. Was it a podcast? What what was it? We did a whole freaking test video on the cell cam, or both. We did it on standalone two years ago, the regular SD card ones, and yep. then we did an awesome cell cam video. Um, but yeah, go ahead with yeah. Yours. So so in and out. I've I've used quite a few of them. For me, the Spartans are kind of the benchmark right they are as far as picture quality reliability um just just a bulletproof camera uh good customer service uh, they've come out with some that are a little more price friendly um if if you're looking you know price wise real good customer service and, and a and a good camera exodus you know they, they make a make a good camera and then also those Tacticams. Right. You know, they, they make a really inexpensive camera with uh, with a good a good data plan. But at the end of the day, the Spartans win for me time in and time out. Yeah, I, I bought a handful of the Reveal Xs before, right when they went on sale for like 90 bucks or something. So I got a couple of those, and I'm really impressed with the – um, the signal that they get, the picture quality is pretty good, and um, they don't burn up batteries as bad as those older coverts that I have. And I, I still use the coverts, but it seems like they burn up batteries a little bit quicker. Um, I probably will spring for some Spartans later on down the road, but right now I'm really impressed with the Tacticams, and as for like a Standalone camera, those Brownings, the regular SD card ones, those ones are hard to beat. I I bought a handful of like Wild Game Nation cameras when they're on sale for like thirty bucks a pop to kind of put out on the public land, and um, that way if they walk off, 
I'm not too hurt. If you're gonna steal a camera, at least leave the card, please. Put the card. <laughs> leave the card. I don't <laughs> no. care about the camera. Just take take the camera. Leave the card, please. But um, those seem to have really good picture quality too. Those and then um, um, what were the other ones? I think a, another good cheap one from like Walmart were like the thirty dollar Tascos. The picture quality ain't as good on those, but those wild game nations seem to work really well i just don't like and we've had this problem with other cameras before is when it switches over to the infrared it's got a click yep to it when it takes the picture video but if you put it up a couple feet in a tree um i'm not too worried about it but i definitely don't put those over my main spots those are kind of a you know broadcast and camera to spread out on public land or in new spots I, I know what it was i did a post the other day about cell cams versus re- traditional cams yeah and i i think that you do miss more pictures with a cell cam than mm-hmm. you do with say a reconics or a browning you know reconics has been known to be the best traditional camera on the planet very expensive again you get what you pay for uh but to me the risk is worth the the reward or the risk is worth it in, in the text cam because of the live intel that you get and not having to go in and out to check cards yep just having to check bat or replace batteries and if if you've got them on straight uh, scrapes trails um acorn trees whatever it may be you know those batteries those lithium batteries are going to last a long time if you got them over a feeder or something like that it's going to yeah, eat them it'll alive. burn them up uh, but but you're going to be going in to fill that feeder anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's that's enough on trail cams. And, you got something. Else? One other thing I was going to say: a lot of guys kind of talk smack about them because they got them when they very first came out and they had bad luck with a certain cell cam. But I think that since technology, it's almost like mechanicals. Since it's gotten better, they're pretty. There's some pretty bulletproof cell cams out there that. Um, especially since technology's gotten better they're they won't break the bank too for a for a decent one no that's right i mean it used to be 280 dollars was a traditional you know camera and now you can get good cell cams for 150 Mm -hmm. 200 bucks yeah um so yeah i I think the cell cams are the way to go and and as far as scaring deer and that sort of thing um you know it, it it all of them can scare deer you know i scared plenty of deer yeah you you aren't a cell cam, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I scared them. Yeah, right out of the woods. All right, uh, should we hit these last three? Yeah. Or? Okay, real you quick. Know. Bikes, electric bikes. Uh, so I have experience with one bike, and it is called a Rad Rover, and they are very inexpensive. She fast, too. Yeah, and, and bulletproof, man. I've had it for three years. I, I think it was 1400 bucks all in with all the components compared to like these $3,000 things. So if you're looking for an economical bike that does the job, uh, the Rad Rovers yep. are, are, are a good bike, electric bike that won't break the bank. Yeah. I just have a like a little 10-speed peddler lower-end mountain bike. If I don't use a bike a whole lot, but some of these public land spots I got, there are gates at the end of these old logging roads. And you can hop on that bike and, you know, haul butt like a mile and, and cut your cut your time down and and take your time and not sweat your butt off. But I just throw the old 10-speed in the bed of the truck and, and ride out when I need to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that's truly, I mean, the scent that you don't leave, the ability to get around quiet, the bikes are, are really a must for, for a lot of situations. For sure. Uh, lights. I'm a big hat light guy. Mm-hmm. I run a Petzl hat light. I've got a green setting, a red setting, and then a really bright white light uh, setting. It's got a battery pack on the bot on the back. Obviously, lights are ultra important. Going in and out in the dark, I try and use green or red. Yeah. Um, and then for tracking, you know, I've always got stuff in my hands to try to mark, you know, where the deer went or carrying my bow or whatever it may be. Um, so a, a hat light has served me a lot better than a traditional flashlight. Yeah, I, I got the same settings on mine, but I think mine's like a Nebo or something, and it's rechargeable, so I really like that. You just keep a 
um, USB in your truck and you can charge it on the way out there or back home. That's really convenient. Yep. So Nevo and Petzl, I run the Petzl's and you can get them at any like half moon or hiking shop or online. Yeah. I I ordered mine off of Amazon for like 25 bucks. Last but not least knives. Uh, Obviously there's a lot more stuff we could get into, but we're going to wrap this up. Knives. A lot of guys love the Havilons. I'm going to give one tip for, for probably a knife that a lot of people they've heard of, but they haven't necessarily looked at them as a skinning knife. But there's a Cutco, serrated Cutco hunting knife. Mm-hmm. It's got an orange handle, and I'm telling you, you can cut through the rib cage of a giant Midwestern buck with this knife. It is razor sharp. It holds its edge. It's serrated, so you can send it back to them after the season, and they'll recondition it and resharpen it. So those Cutco, it's a hunter knife with an orange orange handle. You can get them with black handles or whatever, like the orange, so I don't lose it. But, um, you know, that that's a, a tip on knives. The Havilons are awesome for skinning because you can just replace the blades. Um, you know, there's millions of knives out there. Yeah, my favorite is the SE Zulu 2, and, and a lot of guys Say don't. that fast three times. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of guys don't look at It's more of like a little survival knife. I think Navy SEAL makes them, and um, you can get those off of Amazon, and they can come with a – little survival kit and they got a nice kydex sheath and all that but they have i don't know the exact steel but it's really nice steel it holds an edge long in the and they're pretty compact so i'll keep one in my in my um, pack when i'm hunting public and i gotta go in deep if i want to quarter one up but the the um, blade angling is awesome for caping and things like that and then when i'm deboning and and doing a lot of my processing i really like the seven inch um it's the bubba blade seven inch fillet knife that one's my favorite fillet knife that i have for getting the meat off the bone right for the processing good deal all right guys that's gonna wrap us up just remember you know we're all hunters we're all together uh there is no best hunter there is no this guy's better than another guy um let's stay out of the drama um they're, they're public private you know, do what you like to do. Respect everybody. Uh, let's let's bring everybody up, not bring everybody down, and and you know try and keep the ego out as best we can. But uh, we'll be back here in a couple weeks. Thanks a lot, as always. Any questions, comments, let us know. And uh, y'all check out the ICO Gear Custom Bow Works coming first of the year. Excited about that. Kevin's going to be in charge of it, so we know it's going to run really really smoothly. Yeah, and go uh, check out our. Our Instagram pages, I, I post a lot of season updates and, and some of the bow and arrow builds on my stories and things like that. It's uh, Kevin underscore B underscore hunting or hunting. And then uh, what's yours? Just Joe Miles hunting? At Joe Miles hunting. Yep. yep. That's easy enough to remember. But, uh, but yeah, good luck the rest of the season. We'll see you all in a couple weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks.